though. Right? But here's the thing, okay? We live in a culture, in a nation, where we want this thing called sexual liberation. So what that means is that we are enslaved sexually. So what do they mean? What is enslaving us? What is enslaving us? And it's this idea of monogamy. Everybody say monogamy. I know I'm using these words, but I want you guys to understand this. It means the idea that one person is married to another in a committed relationship. Only one person is married to another. And those two people, and, and, and this is what they're really aiming for, is heterosexual monogamy. They want to get rid of all that. So a female married to a male in marriage together with no one else involved. That's what they want to liberate us from. They want to liberate us from modesty. Why do we have to be modest? Why can't we be expressive in our nudity? That's what they'll say. They'll use lots of buzzwords like identity, like belonging, like freedom. And that's why I think God put that passage on me is because they plot and they plan and they scheme because they want to throw off the shackles. What is the shackles in this world? You got the law of God. The law of God, those Ten Commandments, those, that law that's on everybody's heart, they want to be free from that, liberated from what God has already said to be true. And you see that that's kind of what's happening now. Many people have been coming out not only as gay but as transgender. And there are many factors as to why someone would come out as gay or be homosexual. Many times you'll see abuse involved. That's not the only thing, but that's a factor. You talk to a lot of people. Matter of fact, if you watch a Jubilee video, anybody like Jubilee? I love Jubilee. I love watching those videos. But you'll see that lots of times the person representing the homosexual community will say they got abused. Okay? Then you have neglect. A lot of times people are neglected at a young age. If a father neglects a daughter, sometimes they will resent men in the process. Okay, and in that neglect, they will turn to women. Now, that is not the only thing, but that is full of testimonies like that. Other times, it's just mere attraction. A woman is born with this attraction to another woman. And I don't think it's, it's, it's really a born, but it's when they develop in puberty, there's an attraction that doesn't go to men, but it goes to women. Because when you're three years old, the only thing you're attracted to really is like you know, the sky and some bug that just came out of nowhere, but it's not a perverted attraction. It's something that takes your attraction, that is a distraction in a sense, right, Kirsten? When you're raising Josie, if she ever saw something, she'd probably run away, right, and try to catch it. Was Josie like that? Yeah. You were like that, Josie? Well, you wouldn't know because you're like three or two. You remember when you were three or two? That's some good memory right there. Some people can't remember last week, right? But it's not only mere attraction, and this is a big thing, it's environment as well. People's environment shaped them at times. We, we have to understand that. There's lots of factors. However, the idea of sexuality, no matter how it comes about, it's tied to this thing called identity, who you see yourself as. And this is known, it's very popular, uh, to, to, to really speak of sexuality and identity, I want to talk about this one lady in her quote. Her name is Ellen Page. It was an act, her, she was an actress that I grew up watching in movies uh, like Juno um, and Inception. Inception is like my favorite movie. She's in it. Um, and now she goes by a he. And I, I forgot 
her name, her how, whatever he, she wants to be called, I believe she's a she because God made her a she. And that right there is going to be have, that's going to have to be the, the navigation that Christians go through. If you want to stick to reality, but then you want to love people, you got to be like, okay, do I have to call them a he? Do I have to call them a she? That gets sticky. That gets kind of up there. I say, I'm going to call you a God made you. However, right, if you are talking to someone in a job interview and you say, sir, and then that's your boss, you know, you, know, you get fired, that's going to be your fault because they're, they're kind of in that authority here. You know, I'm just being honest. That's the culture that we're going to have to live in. That's why be your own boss so you don't get canceled. But anyway, all right, Ellen Page, uh, she came out as gay in 2014. But even in coming out as gay, she still felt shame and she still felt discomfort. She still felt like she wasn't herself. Then this gave way to a revelation, a new understanding. She said, I was finally able to embrace being transgender. And once I did that, it was like letting myself fully become who I am. So once she now said, I am transgender, her identity was made whole. I am now who I am. Don't get confused. I'm not, I'm not saying that, and, and I want you guys to not get confused with this. I know it has nothing to do with sex, her gender, and what she identifies with, but sexuality and gender is inherently, is inherently tied to sex. Inherently tied to sex. And we have to understand that. Sexuality and gender is not a love thing. It's not a just merely identity thing, but it is a sex thing. And I want you to understand, when people use these buzzwords like love wins, love is love, when they use buzzwords like this is who I am now, I feel free, I have come out, this is all a product of a thing called the Sexual Revolution, a book that came out in the 1970s by a man named William Rake, or Rach. Uh, he's Austrian, so his name is going to be a little German, and you know I can't really speak German. I can barely say elevate in German. I mess it up every week. But he makes this thing called the sexual revolution. And it's in a sense to revolt against what we know as sex. One man, one woman. And what, is it, what does he say? He says this, and I, won't, I don't want to get too detailed, but he says love, everybody say love, is completely dependent on an orgasm. An orgasm. In other words, love is completely dependent on good sex. He says this. This is a man that has influenced the likes of Bernie Sanders. Women like Ellen Page's teachers. So why am I telling you this? I'm just telling you what your teacher's teacher's teacher told them. You have to understand what you're getting from. When we are listening to people tell us about sex education... Education is learning. Who does the teaching if someone is learning? Let's look to the teachers. This is one of the teachers. He believed that good sex could rid us of all war, poverty. That the reason why people are depressed is because they just haven't had good sex. See, this is an issue. 
Because there's lots of people that have sex, and there's lots of people who are still depressed, still suicidal, still angry, but more importantly, they're still in sin. They're not liberated at all. Matter of fact, not only are they not liberated, but they're more enchained and more enslaved than they were before. It's the opposite of liberation happening. It's the opposite of freedom. So why is this an issue? Well, because it has reaped into the church. There's this thing called gay liberation theology. And I'm giving you this background because sexuality, okay, has become such a issue in America, such a hot topic, but people are all listening to the world when it comes to it. Everyone. Sexuality has no longer become male and female like uh, Bill Nye, the science guy, said about 15 years ago, but now he's saying it's a spectrum. It's a spectrum. And you can, you'll land anywhere, and sometimes gender, it's infinite. It's an infinite amount of gender, the confusion that they're trying to place on people. So they'll, think, they'll do things like this. Sexuality, consensually, is not an issue in the Bible. The Bible never speaks about it. And they'll start to say, listen, if you are not an affirming church, not only are you bigoted, but you're actually not Christian. So if you can't come in here as a gay person and be celebrated, you can't be enamored with, rejoiced with, then you're going to a wrong church. You need to go to an affirming church. You have churches that do this. You have the church across the street. It's an apostate church, backslidden church that says God is still speaking because they want, they want to hear what they want to hear, what their itching ears want to hear. And they're hoping that the demonic influences or their lust will start speaking to them, pretending to be God. You know, there's people that, and listen, it's not just homosexuality. That's not how it started you got to understand it started with this. The liberation theology started with an opposition against marriage. Not just homosexual opposition, but same-sex opposition. Shacking up. One-night stands. That's what it happens. The reason why, honestly, even I sometimes have to catch myself. It is so normal to see someone that is not married to the person that they're with living together. It's so normal. It wasn't normal until the sexual revolution. It wasn't. It was never normal. And then now it's crept in our culture where if we, some, if, if we get married before we move in, man, you crazy. I remember when me and my wife were around some of my family members, and they were astonished that we were going to get married, that we had not yet had sex and lived with each other yet. They're like, well, how do you know? How do I know what? You know, how do you know? You know, like what if the, you know, I'm like, what are you talking about? As if marriage is only confined to sex. And that's because, what does that sound like? It sounds just like what the sexual revolution said. That love is completely dependent on sex. And so we're going to talk about a few things today. I, I want to correct this idea that sex is the greatest form of love. Think about this. If sex is love, okay, and then the greatest form of love, and then who you want to have sex with, then that person 
right? If, if sex is love, then who you want to have sex with has to be the person that you love the most. It has to be that expression of love. So let me explain it like this. If you're saying sex is love, then that means whoever you have sex with, that's who you love. Right? And if you don't have sex with that person, then you're not experiencing the greatest form of love. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? If you want to love someone truly, okay, with the greatest form of expression of love, then you have to have sex with them. That's wrong. That's wrong. You see... Sex is an expression of love. It's a part of love, but it's only meant to give us a glimpse of the union we have with Christ. Let me explain. If we go to Ephesians chapter 5, 25 to 33. You see, Ephesians chapter 25 and 33 is talking about marriage. Because according to the Bible, this is just... What the Bible is saying, sex is in marriage. So it's a pre-understanding that Paul is getting into. So this can only be done in a marriage between a man and a woman. Why? Well, it says this, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband, everybody say wives. Everybody say husbands. Does it say husbands, submit yourself to your husbands as you do the Lord? And in the Greek culture in the Greek language, there's a different word for wife and a different word for husband. There's no way around this. This is only applicable to those who are married. So for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body. Okay, so we see an understanding here. The husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, of which he's the savior. Christ is the Savior of the church. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present herself, her, her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands out to everybody say love. Love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their own body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason... And this is the famous passage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother to be united and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. I've said that before. But what does it say after this? This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ in the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Praise God for his word. But... This is an understanding that when we talk about sexuality, sexuality is a glimpse of the union we have with Christ. You see, a man is different than a woman, right? Genetically, uh, biologically, even chemically, in all ways they're different, always. Now, a man may have a little bit more estrogen than another man but still not as much as a woman. A woman may have as much uh, more testosterone than other women, but not more than a man. There's always this complement 
to them. And it's beautiful. It's, it's, a, it's a mystery because they're actually supposed to become one. Two different things become one thing. Two different persons become one. And the profound mystery is this. That is only supposed to reflect Christ and his church. We have Jesus who said in his prayer, I pray that they would be one with me. So there's this idea that we're supposed to be one with Christ, one in mind, one in spirit, one in soul, one in love. Not once did Christ say, not once did Paul say this, you got to make sure you have the best sex in order to have the best love. No, it's reflecting Christ the best that shows the greatest love. So when we talk about love, we have to see that when we talk about sex, sex is merely an expression. It's a beautiful expression. It is spiritual. Don't get this twisted. Spirituality is represented in sex. When you hear stories about people that have had sex with multiple people, they feel like they've left themselves in other people. A lot of people in the church will call that a soul tie. I don't really, I wouldn't use that word, but I would say that how many times can you become one with someone? How many times can you throw yourself around and have sex with people? You shouldn't do that because the Bible honors sex as something that represents the relationship between Christ and his church. So when we're talking about this stuff, we're not just talking about homosexuality. We're talking about any type of sexuality outside of the marriage. I want you, I want you to get that before I move on. Sex, it is an expression of love, right? But guess what? I can still love someone without showing sex. For example, the greatest example of, of love that I see is the love of a mother, a good mother at least, is the love of a good mother, because of what they go through during labor and pregnancy, right? That nine months of pregnancy, the suffering of labor, right? To give birth to someone that you're going to have to continue to care for. There's no greater example of love. However, if a mother began to have sex with her child, would that be love? But what about sexual liberty? What if the child grows up to be a handsome man? And the mother is attracted to her child now. Well, the mother loves the child, so where does it stop? What, what if the child is 30 years old and the mother, let's say, is 45? Is it still any less wrong? It's no longer, ped it's not pedophilia. Matter of fact, this was actually something that was an issue in the Greco-Roman culture. When you get to high school, you read about Epidus Rex, which is a story about a man who falls in love with his mother. And when you hear about actually one of the Roman emperors, the one who persecuted Christians the most, there's a story that his mother slept with him for, so that she can have some political gain. You see the, the depravity in that. You think that's such a crazy idea. Joe B., you're crazy. See, you're one of the crazy Christians that bring up crazy scenarios. No, I mean, it's in our literature. It's in our stories. See, love is greatest seen in the union that we have with Christ. That he would see us sinful, unholy, make us pure, make us clean, and become one with us.
And we see that in marriage, when we have sex, that we have someone that looks completely different, naked, nothing hiding them, no shame. And they see us as well, and we become one. I know that sounds maybe weird for you guys, but listen, they're already showing first graders masturbation videos. Did you know that? A private school showed a video, a cartoon video, to their students about masturbation. So understand this. There are things about sex in the Bible, but the Bible is not explicit because there are things that we keep to ourselves and to the people you're going to marry. So explicit stuff about sex, that's not good. It's not good. You should caution when you hear people talking explicitly about sex. Caution. Don't give in to them. Because why are they talking about what is secret and honorable in public? And here, I want to correct another thing. A lot of people say homosexuality is not a sin because it doesn't hurt anyone. As if that is the only type of sin. Listen, it's not just homosexuality. But any type of sexuality outside of the determined and designed sexuality that God has made is a perversion. Anything other than what God created is a utter perversion. If you are sleeping with someone, whether the same sex or different sex, okay, you're not married to them. You're in sin. I remember one time I was talking to a person who was for same sex, and, I was, and we're, we're debating back and forth, and I'm like, okay, well, let me ask you this. Does a man have to be married to a man to have sex with them? And they got stunned. Because this person was claiming to be a Christian. You see, sexual liberation confuses your theology. We're just going to keep it straight. None of Scripture ever condones any sexual activity outside of marriage. Never, not once. Never, not once. Never can you claim to be a Christian having sex outside of marriage ever say that you're living right before God. Matter of fact, Jesus takes it to another step. He says that you have lusted after your heart in another woman's direction. If you have lusted after a woman in your heart, you are guilty of adultery. Adultery. Do you know the punishment of adultery in, in the Ten Commandments? If you end up breaking that, you are to be considered guilty of, for death. That's why the scripture says this, that all the wages of sin, wages of sin is death. You see, sin will not liberate you. Sin will captivate you until you're its captive. Sin will never set you free. You may think, oh, I'm so free. I'm doing exactly what I want. I'm doing exactly what I feel like doing. I want to let you know you're a slave to your own desires, a slave to your own feelings, a slave to your own sexuality. You are a slave. You thought that you were freeing yourself. But no, no, rather that you sold yourself to be prostituted. That's what you've done. So you have to understand that in this generation, you will be told many things. Do what you feel like doing. Matter of fact, the person who created Satanism, do you know his saying? Do thou wilt. Do thou wilt. Do what thou wilt. Do what you want. That's the person who created Satanism. It's not the 
Satanism is not an ancient belief system. It came out like literally in the, 19th, uh, in the 20th century. So understand that. You can actually look it up. Do what thou wilt. Have sex with everyone and anyone. Before you buy a car, you got to drive a car. That's what they've told me. It's ridiculous. They're telling God, I don't want what you have designed, and they're calling it freedom. It's not freedom, my friends. It's deception. It's more slavery. Why is it? Why is it that even in a culture that is so supportive of this community, you see more suicide rates, more depression, more anxiety. Why? Why is it that the more they give in to what they feel, more they give in to the science of this new gender age, why is it that they give in to more depression? It's because they're going against God. If you go against God, you will receive nothing that God has intended to give you. That means the peace and the love and the trust that you get in a committed relationship. This is a new thing. They're trying to silence ex-gay testimony because they're liars. And you know why they're liars? You know why? It's because they want to make sure what they're saying is the only thing coming out. Has there been abuse of homosexuals? Yes. Has there been misuse, lying, manipulation from the churches? Yes, and that's wrong. And those churches need to be re repent and be upfront about what they believe and not abuse their homosexual, uh, uh, their homosexual neighbors. Yes. However, that does not mean all of a sudden everything goes. That's not what it means. Because if you let in sin, what happens? What did God tell Cain? The sin is crouching at your door. If you let it in, it will devour you. You see church, see Christians, see elevate. You let sin in your life. It's not going to just stay there. It's going to devour all of you. Yeah, Ellen Page thought she was gay. She thought when she came out, she would be good. She still wasn't good because sin is never satisfied. The sin is never satisfied. You think that you are good? Having sex outside of marriage with this girl, you're not going to be good enough with her. You're going to want more, so you'll go to another girl. You'll go to another guy. You'll go to another guy, another girl, and you'll realize, man, I need multiple people. No, never mind. I need, I need different types of people. See, it, it never satisfies. So if you want to sit here having sex with your boyfriend and girlfriend and say you're good, I want to let you know there's a word in the Bible that says you need to repent Anything other than the purpose that God created for sexuality is a perversion. It's a distortion of the truth. We have to understand that today. Because as much as I'm preaching right now and trying to teach you this, the voices are even louder telling you, louder telling you I'm wrong. You can't go anywhere. I was just listening to my wife's social, uh, social work class. They hate Christianity. Who's the, who's the they? I'm talking about the world. The world hates Christianity. Why? Because they hate Christ. And they try to put you against Jesus. Well, Jesus is loving. Well, Jesus never spoke about homosexuality. 
So why are you speaking about homosexuality? Jesus spoke about marriage. Jesus spoke about purity. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus spoke about all things. The reason why homosexuality wasn't mentioned because the word homosexuality didn't come out until the 1900s. The word gender didn't come out until then around that time as well. You know what they called it? An abomination. They didn't call it homosexuality. And I know that's a hard word. But you know what they called sleeping outside of marriage as well? They called it infidelity. They said that it was adultery. And they compared worshiping other gods to adultery. Idolatry, adultery. They were hand in hand. So understand is that even though words weren't being used back then, they had even greater words, more descriptive words to talk about it. But I want to encourage you as well. Because I know I just went hard for a moment, but understand the love in this is that you are being told that there's no other choice but to believe this. This is now fact. You are what your sexuality tells you. And I'm here to tell you that's a, that's a lie. That is a lie from the devil. Your feelings, emotions, your chemicals in your body, your hormones, to let that guide you, to let that direct you, that's like putting, turning on your GPS in local, Lower Wacker Drive. Has anyone ever tried to drive in Lower Wacker Drive with a GPS? You don't know where you're going. You have no idea. You'll be there for hours. I remember I was Ubering, and it took me to Lower Wacker Drive. Biggest mistake of my life. I lost money that day, and I got a bad rating. I got a one star. I had five stars until then. I was lost. Because I was relying on something that no longer worked. In this broken, fallen world, sexuality cannot be relied on to determine who you are. You cannot rely on something that's broken to tell you something that is true. You can't. You can't. You think that sexuality is a good guide? You think that sexuality is a leading to truth? It's, a, it's some type of uh, uh, truth seeker? I want to let you know it isn't. It isn't. One day you will think that you are attracted to this woman. You know, you're going to marry this woman. You're engaged to this woman. You're attracted to her. She's beautiful. But there will be someone more beautiful coming by. And if you're relying on your sexuality, if you're relying on mere attraction, you'll go to that person now. And then when someone more attractive comes by, you'll rely on your sexuality and it will guide you the wrong way. So understand this, is that sex is not your identity. Sexuality is not your identity in Christ either. And speaking to the Christians, if you are in Christ, your identity is Christ. You no longer identify with sexuality but you identify with Christ. Galatians chapter 3, 27 to 29. If I could have uh, the worship team come up, please. Listen. There are Christians that have come from the LGBT community. In this church, outside this church. I was just listening to a podcast uh, today, actually, about a woman. Her name is Lori King. 
And she has a ministry. Thank you, sir. She has a ministry of dealing with this because she was a part of that. She's married now, has kids. She's married to a man. But understand this, is that many people in the homosexual community will still say they feel these attractions at times. But that's not something to be alarmed of. Because again, we don't identify with temptation. We don't identify with what tempts us. If I wanted to say, well, you know, I'm tempted to to look after pornography. So am I going to just be a pervert all the time because I'm tempted to look after that? Or I'm tempted to to have sex with this woman. So am I going to be an adulterer and that's that's who I am? I identify with that because that's my attraction. That's my temptation. No, I'm not going to identify with that. And I know there's more complexities in that because humans are complex, but there's a simple truth in here. And it's this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ. You all were baptized into Christ. Have clothed yourself with Christ. You're not clothed with your sexuality anymore. You're not clothed with your temptation. Your identity is no longer bound up and strained into these confusing feelings. You see, because there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. All of you are one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. You see, we were made with all the same desires. You have to understand that innately. We were made wanting to be loved. We were made wanting to be accepted, made wanting to belong. So when we take these desires, man, I want to be loved so bad, and we put it in the wrong things, we end up broken. When we want to be accepted so bad that we're willing to reject Christ, and we're willing to give in to these desires just to be accepted by someone, we end up broken. When we're looking for belonging so bad that the, the, the first urge that it seems so strong that we get, we give into it because we want to belong to it and we want to belong to people, we end up broken. But Christ gives us this. Christ put it in our heart, right? He put it in our, he made us in the image of God, like I said. And in the image of God, there is a place for him. There is a place for him. But because of sin, we've been pulled away from that place. So when we try to fill things into that place, none of it fits. It's like when you try to give a child one of those toys, you know, like the circle, the triangle, and they try to keep putting the circle into the square. They try so hard. They push it. They push it. No matter how many times they say, this is going to fit, this is going to fit, this is going to fit, it never fits. See, God belongs in us, and we belong in God. See, God has, has given us his love. When we receive it, we love him. You see, God has given us acceptance. The acceptance was the cross, where he said to all of mankind, come to me, come to me and drink. Come to me and be saved. Come to me and be liberated. You see, because this is true liberation. Not that we belong to the things of this world, 
Because you will never truly be free in this life. The only way you will be free is if you surrender to Christ. The only way you can be liberated is if you have accepted the liberator. Jesus can set you free from all your perversion, all your immorality. Jesus can set you free. If you guys can all stand up, please. You see, we wanted to be loved. God loves us to the most extent. To the most extent. We wanted to be accepted. God loves us despite our sin, and he accepts us and changes us. You see, we wanted to belong somewhere. God takes us from uh, being familyless, being orphans, and he puts us into a family, the family of God. So Christ gives us what we are looking for to the most extent. And this is what we should do if we want to live this out. Because we understand this, man. That even though, you know, sex is an expression of love, it's a glimpse. It's a glimpse. L listen to this. It is a mere glimpse of the union that we have in Christ Jesus. You see, the glory that lays before us, heaven's glory, the resurrection, all that stuff is more beautiful than anything. You ever taken a, uh, you ever been really musty before? Like, I'm talking about real musty. Like your mama says, mm, you smell like the outside musty. I mean, like, I don't even want to hug you, Musty. I can't even be 10 feet away from you, Musty. Then have you ever taken a really nice shower? Let's say, let's say it's real hot outside, so you're ready for the cold shower. You take the shower. How good does it feel? It feels amazing, right? There's that feeling like I'm clean, right? I want to let you know that it, what we, when we come to Christ, there is a cleansing, and there's a unity that we this feeling that we have, it's, it's, it's greater than what the world can offer. In a sense, it's inexpressible. What we have not yet seen, we can only tell mere stories about what we think. So I want to help you understand is that sex is an expression of love, just that. And it points to a union with Christ. And I want to let you know that anything, anything outside the purpose and design that God has made for sexuality is perversion. But we are confident in this, that sex is not your identity. Christ is your identity. We identify with Christ. So this is what you should start doing, especially those who are dealing with perversion and sexuality. We live in a hyper-sexual cult uh, sexual culture where we have sex being sold to us left and right. We, we open the Facebook, we open the Snapchat, Instagram, all the social medias. We go outside the billboards. Everything is selling us sex everything we don't even know we're being taught by these billboards do you know that's why they make billboards is to teach us what we want and I, i've said this before teenager wasn't an age it wasn't an age until people wanted to sell things to teenagers did you know that the word teenager didn't exist as a class of age until they started selling stuff to teenagers look that up see they want to teach you what you want and teach you what you need if you keep listening, you're going to start believing, ah, yeah, that's what I need, that's what I want. So this is what I want you to do. Pray with your Bible open. Pray with your Bible open. It is now more important than ever, now, uh, the utmost importance to know the Word of God. Don't think it's just for me. Don't think it's just for TJ, Karina, the leaders. You need to know the Word of God. Begin to pray and take these thoughts and attractions, not just same sex, but any sexual perversion to the Lord in your alone time. Filter your emotions 
with the Word of God. That means if you are feeling some type of way that defers from what you know to be the truth, go to the truth. Understand this. You need to love now in word and deed those that are not aligned with God's standards. That means those sleeping outside of marriage with a man or a woman, same sex, it doesn't matter. You love them in word and deed. That means you tell them the truth, but you pay for their coffee. You tell them the truth, but you make sure that they are not alone in this world. That they have a companion with them. And that is the light in the world. But then also rebuke those that teach what is contrary to the word of God. And this is where I invite my wor- uh, altar workers up here. You see, we need to, to be bold, okay? There are people that are aiming for you. Everybody point to you, yourself. You are going to be used as an agenda for the world if you don't wake up. You don't understand what people are teaching you. They've learned. And they are going to regurgitate that information. If you don't wake up, and you don't stand firm, and you don't speak against the teachers, the false teachers, if you don't speak against them, they're going to speak pushing. If you don't push back, they're going to keep pushing forward. It's time for us to push back. Of course, I'm not telling you to physically push your teachers. No, never do that. I'm not saying that. But you need to stand bold. You need to be willing to risk it all. I see it in my wife's class. Just what you guys are ready for. And I, it, it puts an urgency in me. Donnie, I don't want you to go to college, end up leaving, saying God is a lie and he hates people. And listen, I am sexually liberated now. I don't want you going to college and believing that. I want you to understand that these teachers, they have an agenda. And I'm not talking about the gay agenda. But I'm talking about this. Power. Power. See, every man wants Power. Those teachers want to make sure that they have an authority over people. Because when you are speaking this, what's popular in the culture, guess who's going to back you up? The culture. You have a place in there. You got a position. You got favor. See, they want that. But you need to challenge them. You need to push back. We need to show them in love that Christ is the truth. That they must kiss the son lest he be angry. Then they must bow before the Lord who is ruler of the heavens and earth. That Jesus, he's the one who teaches us. If everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. Father, we submit ourselves to you. We give ourselves away. We want to know you, Lord. God, we want to know you, Lord. And we thank you, God, because without your sacrifice, without your sacrifice, without your blood, Lord, without your true expression of love that you gave yourself up for us, Lord, That is the greatest expression of love. That you would give your life up. That you would die for sinners, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for your love, God. We praise you for your love, Lord. We praise you for your love, God. Lord, we thank you that on the cross, God, on the cross, you saw all of us, God. You saw all of us, Lord, the timeless death of Jesus. Lord, you saw all of our sins. And God, you wiped us clean, Lord. I pray, Lord, that as you showed us that on the cross, your grace and your mercy, I pray that each and every youth in this place would live for you as a living sacrifice. 
that God, even though they have strong desires, they would see those desires as temptation. But God, even more, they would see the heart of those desires. That they would see that every desire is but a perversion of what is supposed to be had in you. True love, true peace, pleasures forevermore at your right hand, Lord. God, let us be so in love with you that the world becomes dim, that the love of the world grows cold, and the love that you have put in us grows even warmer, God. Lord, I pray for every youth in this place, that they would know you and be known by you, God. Those living in in same-sex attraction, God, I pray, Lord, that they would give that to you, Lord. And if they've sinned, that they would repent and live for you. Those living a perverted life, a sexually immoral life, I pray that they would repent. They would uh, break up. They would seek to know you more, Lord, to know your heart, God. And I pray for anyone, Lord that has been fighting, God, an addiction to pornography. God, set them free right now in Jesus' name. Lord, we speak right now to the demon, to the plague that is perversion. And we pray right now, be cast it out in Jesus' name. Cast it out in Jesus' name. Listen, right now, if you are dealing with perversion, if you're dealing with sexual immorality, I want you to come up right now. I want you to come up. If you've been watching porn, you've been watching pornography every week, every day. If you have same-sex attractions and you've been giving into them, I want you to come up right now. If you've been having sex with your girlfriend and your boyfriend, listen, this is a time to confess and be restored. The scripture says that if we confess our sins to one another, that we will be restored, that we will be refreshed. Hallelujah. So the altar has been given to you guys. It is open as the worship team sings. I want you guys to pray. Check your heart. Are you living right before God? Do you have some distorted view of sexuality that needs to be changed? You heard what Will said? Be renewed. You've been transformed by the renewing of your mind in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.